Amen. So we are, thank you, finishing up with our Bumper Sticker Theology series, and this seems an appropriate one for World Communion Sunday. It, um, I'm sure you've seen it or something close to it, but we do give thanks again for God's abundant blessings, not just poured out onto us, but to our brothers and sisters around the world. And so God bless all nations. And to that we can say, amen. Please stand for the reading of our um, scripture lesson. And I'm going to be reading in 2 Timothy, verses 1 through 18. It begins with Paul. We're not exactly sure this is Paul, maybe a student of Paul. But anyway, um, hear now the word of God. Paul An apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God for the sake of the promise of life that is Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did. When I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, recalling your tears I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure the faith that lives in you. For this, I, this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of hands. For God did not give you a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed then of the testimony about our Lord or of me as his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, but it is now has been revealed to the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to the light of the gospel. For this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher, and for this reason I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed. For I know the one in whom I have put my trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard until that day what I have entrusted to him. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated and let us pray. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in thy sight. For you have given up to us your spirit to enliven and empower a written word into living word. Help it to be so. Amen. So as I mentioned earlier, there's a whole group of folks up in the mountains. And one of the beautiful things about that gathering is that it's families and individuals who all are trying to do life together in the space of about an acre. 
at least for a few days. And that might sound trivial, but believe me, it's not. When people don't get enough sleep on the ground or in the cold, and it was cold, but nobody complained. It was a welcomed chill in the air. But anyway, so one of the things we did... um, during the day yesterday, was have devotion at the beginning of the day and the end of the day. And, and I got the task of doing, or the privilege of doing it at the end of the day. And we sat around a campfire and the trees are all around us and it's just beautiful. And we're trying to keep a kid from poking the campfire and somebody else is kicking a football. But anyway, none of that matters. There we were. And we looked around at one another and realized or were reminded of the way that faith is shared. And we celebrated the passing on of faith. We remember those who have gone before us and who have shared that goodness with us. And we are reminded of those who will come after us and how it is we will pour into them that which we have been entrusted with. And we looked at the trees and we celebrated there's this fact. And if you think of the tree there in the mountains or right outside the door, in faith there is this grounding, right? This necessity of deep roots so that growth may be abundant. So that come what may in whatever circumstances in our lives, we have the roots to stand on. We have the grounding beneath us so that we may flourish and grow into all that God has called us to be. And, and, and we celebrate the fact that we're called to be grounded, but not just that. We are called to grow in faith. And this is something that Pastor Kyle and I have been talking about for for several weeks, really maybe surrounding the, the Bible study with Harrison next. We think that there will be a resurgent or a need, there is a need for spiritual growth to abound in our midst. And we seek to work and live and be with all of you as we grow in faith, for none of us is done It's interesting, this text spoke into uh, what was going on this week in more ways than one. We have this faith that is passed on to us. We have this idea of who we will pass the faith on to. I have to share, you know, a lot of things get said to pastors, for better or for worse. So last Sunday in the 11 o'clock service, we had an infant baptism. And I will tell you that about until the age of 40, whenever I did a baptism, somebody invariably would say to me, you need another baby, Elizabeth. You do it. Yeah, right? I mean, no, I'm good. Thank you very much. Love the kids I have. I appreciate that. But so last week, for the first time ever, I'd been left alone between ages 40 and 50. Last week, you know what somebody did? Yeah. Oh, Elizabeth, you're going to be a wonderful grandmother. I I, I didn't even know what to say. And yet this word of God, it just so happened to be the word of God where we are told that Eunice and Lois, the mother and grandmother, are the ones that have poured faith into Timothy. So I said, okay, thank you, God, for calming me down. But it's that faith that we have received from a grandparent or a Sunday school teacher or a friend or what have you. Again, it's that generational sharing of the faith from wherever it comes. That responsibility of the grounding that those folks who have gone before us have provided so that we may grow and provide that for someone else. 
So it's interesting as it's World Communion Sunday and, and bringing that together with this text and, and trying to understand a little bit about how we celebrate faith in a global setting these days and, and where it comes from and how it grows. And, and one of the things I was reminded this week because it's so very true in Timothy and it's one of the other things we hear. The church at this point in its history had developed enough, had grown enough that it was facing brutal persecution, brutal persecution. The church had had begun to be understood as an entity separate from the Jewish faith and therefore the authorities were getting nervous and the persecution began in ways perhaps that we've read about but dare not want to imagine. And so as we think and pull these pieces together of how faith is shared and witnessed and passed on, we get that part, I think. That which we've received is that which we give. But what do we do sitting here when we understand the global nature, the beginning of the church, even till today, of the persecution of Christians? The persecution of of believers of any faith, really. Authorities threatened when people live into all that God has called us to be. There's been a lot of noise going on in the news recently, but about a month ago, the U.S. government announced we'd give $25 million to fight persecution of Christians around the world. No, no, no. To fight persecutions of religious people around the globe. Recognizing this issue that seems so distant from us here and now. So how is it, again, that we come to this text in our setting, in our day and time, and with the privileges we have to worship in freedom? I think what's going on here, no doubt, is this passing on of faith. In in verse 6, Paul says, or the writer says, for this reason I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you. We're not done. Let's just let's, let's get on the same page. Nobody's done. That flame of the spirit that's been given to us from whatever source, that grounding which we stand upon from whatever source, that which we have been given, we are not called upon to leave dormant. And we here have the privilege of living into the faith that we have been given, the faith that has been entrusted to us. We have the privilege and therefore the responsibility to be faithful, to work, to rekindle that gift to rekindle that which has been given to us, to not be satisfied with where we are. God forbid, there's always the next step on the journey. That's one of my missions. What's my next step? What's the church's next step? How is it God is calling us now to exercise our privilege, our responsibility, our freedom? And so I think we can connect there, even though we're not persecuted as this early church was or as many of our brothers and sisters around the world are. And I find it interesting that the church grows despite the persecution. And yet, what about the, and that's the church outside the U.S., the early church growing in the midst of persecution with such threat. Side note, I suppose. But here's the thing. 
Here's where I think God is calling all of us who have received this faith from another, who stand upon this solid ground. Here's where I think we get to go because of the privilege we have and the freedom of faith we have here. Here it is. God did not give us a spirit of cowardice. No reason not to speak up. No threat that you cannot overcome, we cannot overcome. No situation that we are not able to speak into for fear. God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather God has given us a spirit of power and a spirit of love and a spirit of self-discipline. This is what we have received and this is what we are able to practice in our privilege. This is what we have received and this is what is our responsibility, our opportunity to live into our faith without a spirit of cowardice, but rather with a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. And I want to focus on those three words. I'm going to start backwards because self-discipline may be the hardest. How is it that we have received the faith then now need to discipline ourselves so that we may be faithful to this gift? How is it that we are called upon to discipline ourselves? You know, discipline and self-discipline is often connected to success, right? And yet the success that we experience as Christians may not look like the success as defined by others. Because we find our success in humility and in a willingness to share and in a willingness to be held accountable to the faith that grows in our midst. Self-discipline is a huge part of who we are and how it is we're called to be. The early Methodists, that's, that's why they began to be a separate entity from the Church of England. John Wesley, our... Um, the initiator of the Methodist movement, he was bound and determined that people would get into small groups and be held accountable. For this is how faith grows. It's not just willy-nilly, right? It's not just unintentional. Faith grows when we hold one another accountable. We hold each other accountable to prayer and worship and the receiving of sacraments. We hold each other accountable to serving the poor. We hold each other accountable to giving of our gifts and blessing. And as we consider the next step in our journey, I think that piece of accountability is crucial to live into this faith that has been entrusted to us. And it's a gift, and it's an opportunity. We're at this odd time of year when we're, we're looking backwards only because Giving is down in the church. And yet we're called upon to look forwards to see how it is we're going to fund the ministry to which God has called us. And what are we doing trying to look backwards and forwards at the same time? It's almost impossible. But what concerns me as a pastor is discipleship and the discipline of sharing the abundance, the blessing, financial gifts, that have been entrusted to us? How is it we return to God in a tangible way to support the ministry to which this church has been called? It's self-discipline. Thank you, Jesus. Some are right on target. Some circumstances have changed. 
Some don't give to the end of the year. Some, quite frankly, are withholding. I, come see the pastor if you got an issue. But our discipleship in one way or the other, one way or the other, how we pass on the faith that has been entrusted to us, how we live into the call that God has placed on this church is through self-discipline and being faithful and accountable to the practices of faith. God has not given us a spirit of cowardice, but a spirit of self-discipline. The next one is God has given us a spirit of love. That almost seems cliche to say. And yet, this spirit of love in a world that often seems so divided, in a church even perhaps it has divided, divisive opinions and so forth. How is it that we are called upon to love? Love God, love neighbor. Love those who don't think or look like us. Love those who don't speak the same language. Love those who have a different cultural background with different histories, different gifts. God has called on us to love. And it's a simple message, but it's hard to live out. Where do we find that? And then Jesus, you know Jesus, he had to take it a step further. Love your enemy. Thank you, Jesus. I... But we are not cowards. And we will do the tough practice of love, even with those with whom we disagree, even with those whom we might call enemy, but yet God calls child. One of the most beautiful, and, and you know, and, and again, in my ministry, I, I'm able to see lots of Loises and Eunices and grandparents and, and witnesses of the faith, those who pass it down. One of the most beautiful things, I think, is when a family is open to adoption. One of the most Christ, I think it's a call for a family, but one of the most Christ-like things is, is it not to welcome a child? Perhaps it would have no other welcome save that calling in a family's life. When we first moved to Charlotte, I, I was um, at a church uptown, and I looked out, and there, were, there was a family, and the children were not the same race as the mothers, of different races from each other, and they were lined up on the pew, and then all of a sudden you get to my kid who's sitting right in, two, in between them. And I thought, this is love. That they would, and these children had significant needs, and yet the call was there to live into. And they answered, not a simple love, challenging love. And one that would take a life of commitment and, and being a parent in ways that I couldn't even imagine with the challenges of these children. We are not called to be cowards. We are called into a spirit of love, self-sacrificing, difficult, challenging love. And I know that takes a lot of self-discipline too. The other one. We are not given a spirit of cowardice, but we are given a spirit of power. Every single one of us, a spirit of power. And, and what does that look like for us? It looks like the privilege to be here in this space and worship. Wow, that is power. And it is a privilege that we in this room are able not to take advantage of, but that we in this room are able to exercise an opportunity, a responsibility, 
And just like success through self-discipline or, or the ability to love in ways that perhaps the world just doesn't understand, this spirit of power that we're given is not seen or understood through power, perhaps for power's sake, right? I have a cousin, he's, he's retired Air Force now, but he became a general in the Air Force several, several years ago. And we went up for his, um, I don't know what installation, the ceremony. It was in uh, Air Force Base in New Jersey to, that, where he became a general. And, and um, on his program, he had the verse Micah 6.8 written out. Being given a lot of power. And yet as a person of faith, he was willing to see that power through this beautiful text. Do you know it? What does the Lord require of you? What does the Lord require of us, the people of God, but to love justice and mercy? And the only way to do that is to walk humbly with our God. Can we see this power being given to us that the scriptures tell us about at, through the lens of justice? where all are welcomed at the table and there's food for everyone? Can we see this power as the privilege and opportunity to be merciful to people perhaps who don't deserve it? Or perhaps they do and it's been withheld for far too long? Can we see and understand power at, through eyes of faith that call us to walk humbly each and every day, knowing that power is not to be exploited by those who are so privileged? Us. Knowing that power for the people of God is not over, but with one another. I have to tell you this week, I saw this text, again, God to speak sometimes in, in, in amazing ways, just so directly, hard to get away from. I saw this text, this verse 7, where we are not given a spirit of cowardice, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline, all wrapped into one event. You may have seen it. The officer in Texas, who when she entered the wrong apartment... And she was convicted, murdered a man. And we had that trial and, and, and during the sentencing phase. The prosecution was allowed to share racist texts. And that the, the story took on perhaps a new meaning if you didn't know it. And, and so that when these texts were shared the power exploited became so painful. And yet during the sentencing phase, the brother of the man who was murdered took the stand and very simply and plainly said to the woman who murdered his brother, I forgive you. I wish you no ill will. I love you. I forgive you and... If you enter into a relationship with Christ, we don't know the state, but if you enter into a relationship with Christ, he will forgive you as well. And the world stood still because a Christian got it right. Me, I'd be out for vengeance. Save the power of the Holy Spirit. Me, I'd be ticked off at the racist text. I, I am ticked off. 
How are we called to overcome that which our world so often is, save the power of the Holy Spirit? And all wrapped into one was this testimony. And it was a testimony, but not just the kind in court. It was a testimony to the transforming power of God that this man had received and that he was willing to offer to another who had hurt his family so. All there on display. And again, when believers get it right, it goes viral. You wish it wasn't that out of the ordinary. And it's not. doesn't have to be. If we who have received not a spirit of cowardice, if we have received a spirit of power and self-discipline and love, if we live into that then the world will know the transforming opportunities, privilege, gift of the Holy Spirit. God, help us to be faithful to what we've received and willing to offer it to others. Amen. Let's sing that song three times. I love that song. Y'all did great, great. God is holy. And God has chosen to give us not a spirit of cowardice, but a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of self-discipline. And built on that foundation, we go forth to offer God's spirit to others. Go in power. Amen.